0: going to begin giving the history behind the sicha about the tunnels under the base Hamikdash. It's a fascinating story and the main character of this story is a yid and his name was Rabbi Meir Yehuda Getz. This is the name you have to remember, Rabbi Getz. Rabbi Getz was a yid that was born in Tunisia and in Tovshin Test 1949 right after they declared independence in Eretz and they had the war he comes to Eretz Yisrael and he's already a musmach he already is a rav and he moves to a city in the northern part of Eretz Yisrael and the city name was Kerem ben Zimra that's the village where he was and he poshed was mechazik, and he built up the city in Yiddishkeit. He was an extremely, extremely talented person. Very, very outgoing. Give you, to give you an understanding, he fluently spoke seven languages. Hebrew, English, French, Yiddish, Arabic, Romanian, Ladino. He spoke seven languages fluently. He was able to speak with a lot of immigrants from all different countries. And he really, really was mechazik, and he built up his village. In Toshin Chavzai, in 1967, his son was in the army, and he was part of the group that fought to retake Yerushalayim. He was in the group of the soldiers in the Six-Day War that were fighting in Yerushalayim. Bor HaShem, Yerushalayim was liberated... And if you hear, you could hear the announcement that they made over the radio, Harabayiz biyadeinu, could, you, could, you know that we got the Harabayiz, the Kaisal Maravi. But unfortunately, his son, whose name was Avner, was killed in this battle. In the liberation of Yerushalayim, his son Avner Getz was killed. He was the Rav up north. He was also a big mekubbul. You know, he was into Kabbalah. And he decided that his son's neshama was Nifter in Yerushalayim. So that's his now, he's going to move to Yerushalayim. That's his new place. Didn't know exactly what he's going to do there, but he was drawn to the neshama of Yerushalayim. His son was killed in Yerushalayim. They just liberated Yerushalayim. And he comes to Yerushalayim. Right away, people got to meet him and they realized how talented he was. And he becomes, uh, he's appointed the first Rava Koisil. This is very important. It's a unique, unique position. The Koisil Maravi is not just a place where Yidin visit, people come from all over the world, the dignitaries come, and they have a special position called Rava Koisil. Today there's a Yid, Rabbi Rabinovich, he's the Rava HaKoisel. And you'll see if presidents come, or heads of state, he's always there to make sure that it follows. Halacha, on the other hand, they have to be very diplomatic. So they figure that this person, he speaks seven languages, he can welcome all different types of people, he's very outgoing, you would be a very good person to be the Rava Khisil as a matter of fact, till today, if you behind the Kaisil Marovi, there are steps that go up there 's the plaza and there are steps. The steps are called Malot you know they 're named after him. so he would come and he would spend hours by the Koisel. to his credit, according to the research that I did, he was the one that got the permission to have the tefillin stand by the koisel. In other words, the fact that Chabad, for the last all these years, has an official booth and stand by the Koiso, it's like an interesting thing, to have an official tefillin stand by the koisel, it was his pula because he believed in the, what, the work that the T'mimim, that they were doing right after the Six-Day War, he was the one that made it official, got official permits for them to be. So he would spend hours by the Koiso. And on one hand, he was very good, very welcoming. He was also, when he needed to be, quite uh, aggressive when it came to of v'alocha. Sometimes he would hit people. I mean, he had some stuff. Stuff when things went went wrong, he was pretty aggressive. But all in all, he was well, well liked, side by the yidden, the also the not I mean, he was just a colorful person, and people really liked him. He would spend hours there by day they would you would go to sleep in the evening and every night 11:30 he would wake up come to the kaisel and push a cry for the base hamikdash and then learn Kabbalah till the morning and he was obsessed with bringing mashiach you know he really really wanted the rebuilding of the base hamikdash he felt he came to the conclusion that if we find the orin that's going to bring Moshiach. That was his conclusion. Now, he knew there's a famous mission in the Masech Tashkolim, the, the Gemara Yerushalmi tells us that the pathway to the tunnels to find the Arin was in the Lishkas HaEitzim where they would check the wood for the carbonis, and they would even have Kayhanim that had a mum what did they do? If they couldn't do the avoida, they would like check the wood to make sure that it's fitting for the carbonis. And the Gemara has a story that one time, one koyin, he noticed a certain tile on the floor was a little bit different or a little bit loose from the other tiles, and he tried to call his friends. Maybe they found the place to enter the tunnels to get to the orin, and he died on the spot. So he knew that he's dealing with the nyonim of Mesir nefesh But he really, really felt that it's worth the Mesir nefesh to bring Moshiach. And he was going to find the Oren. Now because he was the Rav HaKoisel, so it wasn't a pellet that he would spend hours by the Koisel. You know, he was, this is what he was doing. In Tavshin Medalid, he got a group together. And this group were people that knew about the Mokem HaMikdosh. As well as architects and archaeologists, and they came up that they're going to have to figure out a way to find the entrance. Also, at that time, you have still today, Eretz Yisrael. They did official digging. You have the tunnels of the of the under the kaisel. They, you could go right, you know, till today. There's because what you see from the kaisel is an elevated thing. There's all the way down. So there were official diggings. But he was looking to do things which were a little bit unofficial. And it was also extremely explosive politically. Because, because the United you know, Yisrael had given the Harabayis to be controlled by Jordan and their Goyim. And that's always been a political flashpoint. Yidin are trying to conquer the Harabayis. So any extra movement to, so to speak, break into the Harabayas, besides being halachically you know, questionable, was also politically an explosive issue. So it had to be quiet on all levels. I, you know, from the Yiddin, aside from the Havdol, the Goyim, because this was going to be an explosive issue. Now while they were digging Eretz Yisrael, they came across in their digging... A entrance, a wall, a closed door, which he figured was going to be the place, according to his calculations, of where people, which kaihanim, which are tummy, they were going to go out of this door. That was according to his chesedin. Which, according to that, he had a certain understanding of where the kodesh hakadoshim might be. He also was looking to find the mokim hamizbeach. Now we know. What's unique about the Mizbeach, while there were a bunch of tunnels for, to protect from Tumah under the Harabayis, there was one place that was not allowed to be built on tunnels. It had to be straight all the way down earth, and that was the Mokem HaMizbeach. He figured if he snuck in and he found the place that's not tunnels, just earth, he would know where the Mokem HaMizbeach was, then from there also figure out where the tunnels were. He had all these ideas and he actually started acting on it. But before he did that, he wanted to make sure that he was on the right path. So he wrote letters to the Rebbe, asking if he's worth it from to go and missiris nefesh to bring Mashiach by digging tunnels under the base hamigdash. The Rebbe's responses we'll learn in the coming year.